Today I'd like to explore a little bit more about mental processes, the way our mind works. The Buddha classified mental processes into four different types. There's the feeling process, the recognizing process, the knowing process, and then what we might call the volitional process. So these processes, along with the processes of the body, work together to create our experience. And usually we don't recognize this functioning of the mind and body, in particular the functioning of the mind, as um, process. We instead recognize that we've been seeing, feeling, intending, perceiving, recognizing, knowing, and assume it is me or I. And it's I I'm doing that. So as mindfulness becomes more continuous, we can start to become more familiar with these as processes, as actual processes, which helps us then to uh, recognize that there's not an I behind the scene doing that, and that actually what we call self It's kind of an afterthought. So over the next few days, I'm not going to talk about all of these this morning. That's way too much. (laughs) So over the next few days, I'm I'm just going to explore a little bit about each of these different areas, or or most of these different areas. Um, And I want to just offer you the poly for these right now, um, because... In hearing the descriptions and the, the discussions that Saida offers, I've been realizing, you know, he uses Pali a lot, and Matet just assumes the audience knows the Pali. And so I don't know if there's been any confusion about some of the languaging when she's just using Pali. It's so second nature to me to understand those words that I don't even notice it so much anymore. So I'll give you the Pali for these words, because I think they do come up in, in some of the the discussions that we'll hear in coming days. And then to also point you to the end of the Awareness Alone is Not Enough book, where there is a glossary of terms, poly terms that Saida uses a lot. <coughs> so if there's ever any um, question, and you might bring that book with you to the, the recordings, and, and you could um, you know flip it open and find the, what he's talking about if you can't figure it out from the context. So the poly terms for these four mental processes. Uh, The feeling process is Vedana, V-E-D-A-N-A. The the recognizing process or the perceiving, the perception process is Sanya, S-A-N-N-A, with tildes over the ends. The uh, knowing process This is the consciousness process, often sometimes translated as consciousness, is vinyana, V-I-N-N-A-N-A, again with tildes over the ends. 
And then the volitional process uh, is called Sankara, S-A-N-K-H-A-R-A. I think there's an H in there. So today I'd like to talk a bit about the feeling, feeling and the feeling process. So in the suttas, the Buddha um, is asked, why is it called feeling? And the Buddha's response is, because it feels. That's why it's called feeling. So this is one, and then and then it, the conversation goes on, which is, and what does it feel? And the response <coughs> is, it feels pleasant, it feels unpleasant, it feels neutral. So this points to kind of two sides of the process of the. Uh, there's the the process itself, the process that feels. And then there is the thing felt, the experience felt. So the feeling process works around this experience of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. So it's easiest, I think, to begin an exploration of feeling in experience by seeing that it's possible to recognize what is felt, to recognize this pleasant, unpleasant, or and in the suttas, it doesn't really say neutral. It says neither pleasant nor unpleasant. And actually, that has been uh, uh, an interesting exploration for me because there have been times where I've experienced something and the, you know, I wouldn't have put the word neutral on it. But in looking at it or experiencing, it's like, well, it's not pleasant, but it's not unpleasant either. So it, I think the neither pleasant nor unpleasant conveys a subtlety to this, what is often translated as neutral, that in our language neutral doesn't quite convey. So recognizing this experience of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, this possibility of knowing that, is helpful because of the way this feeling process fits into the cycle of how suffering is generated. The Buddha said that reactions to experience are triggered off of this feeling experience, are triggered off of this, what we could call feeling tone, just the simple experience of pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. You know, we, we have an experience, we, you know, we're walking down the road and they're repaving the street and the, you know, there's the smell of the hot paving tar and there's this, this sense of reactivity to that. And we don't always recognize the actual unpleasantness of that experience. We think we're, re- we're responding to, oh, I don't like that smell of hot roofing tar, hot, the hot tar, the paving tar. Um, and we haven't quite noticed that the reactivity is actually going off of the unpleasant experience, the unpleasant sense experience. So this connecting with the feeling tone itself, recognizing pleasant is arising, unpleasant is arising, begins to um, 
as mindfulness gets more continuous, it helps us to just be with that object. Feeling becomes an object. It's just, this is pleasant, this is unpleasant. And we recognize it as an object. It's just an object. And the reactivity doesn't have to follow. Very often there's a quick reactivity. When something's pleasant, we like it, we want more of it, and greed arises. When something's unpleasant, we don't like it, we want to get rid of it, and aversion arises. Something's neutral, often it's like we don't even recognize it and we may just space out around it. So it's, it's a helpful practice, a helpful exploration that we can recognize this feeling tone. And again, this doesn't have to be a conscious practice. More, This is more of a pointing to something that can be seen in experience. And the Buddha highlighted how helpful it was to see this. So there's the what is felt, and then there's the process of feeling. And the way I'm going to talk about this today is around looking at the conditioned nature of feeling the conditioned nature of what is felt. What is felt, the feeling, so for instance, the hot tar example, the, uh, the feeling of unpleasant around that hot tar isn't inherent in the hot tar. It has to do with conditions, conditions in our mind, conditions, physical conditions and mental conditions. So we can be aware of this conditioned nature of experience, conditioned process, and begin to see how much the climate of our mind in particular, but also of the physical world, is conditioning how we feel. So a couple of examples on this, and first an example around how the physical experience can condition feeling. So this is from my own practice. I was at IMS and <coughs> very simple <coughs> evening meals, even more simple than what we have here. Um, usually it was just rice cakes, peanut butter, fruit, sunflower seeds, something like that. Very simple. Fruit was always there. Um, then one evening there was this special thing, you know, there was bean dip. <laughs> and um, so, you know, I, I, a little bit of happiness about the bean dip, you know. I had a little scoop of bean dip on my plate and cut up some apple, and it was, you know, it was, it was early fall, and um, IMS has their own apple trees, so these were freshly picked apples. And uh, I had this... Um, bite of an apple. I think that's the first thing I took a bite of, was a bite of an apple. And the apple was so pleasant. It was the best apple I'd ever had in my life. It was just the perfect combination of tartness and sweetness and juiciness. And in tasting that, the experience was this like tingly bubbles of pleasure rising through my body. I was like, wow, yeah, that's pleasant. <laughs> It was like over-the-top pleasant. It was like so pleasant it could not be missed that it was pleasant. <laughs> and then I had a bite of bean dip. You know, the bean dip was, was um, uh, you know, the, the softness of the bean dip and then the, the um, 
the tanginess of the bean dip kind of coated my tongue. And that had its own qualities of, you know, I, I was think I was mostly interested in the texture and the, the, um, the, you know, the sensing of the, of the bean dip, not so much in whether it was pleasant or unpleasant. But then I took another bite of apple, and this bite was even better than the last one. <laughs> it, it was even more pleasant, and my understanding of that because I had been paying attention also to the texture, the, the taste of the bean dip, was that there was some conditions in the mouth that were now different. And the contrast between the um, uh, tartness, sweetness, and juiciness of the apple and the, the oiliness and the, the um, uh, savoriness of the bean dip heightened the pleasure of the apple. And then over the course of the meal, you know, another, I, I played with this for a little while. It's like another bite of the apple. Well, that's pretty pleasant, but it wasn't as good as after the bean dip. Okay, another bite of bean dip. Another bite of apple. Yep, <laughs> it's better after, the, better after the bean dip. And just exploring this. And then noticing over the course of the meal, being interested in what happened, how the pleasurable quality of the apple reduced over the course of the meal. It was no longer quite that same burst of bubbles <laughs> as I took a bite of the apple. My understanding of that was partly that the mind had become accustomed to the taste. So seeing how the conditions of the physical experience changed the experience of pleasant or unpleasant. So that's an example kind of exploration around pleasant, unpleasant. Um, another example to explore the mm, how the mind, the climate of the mind, can impact feeling. Um, one night. I was at home, and it was you know middle of the night kind of thing, and I woke up not able to sleep, and I um, had gotten into a pattern of when I woke up and was not able to sleep that I would just go sit. I found that to be one of the most helpful things for being able to get back to sleep. So I, I got up and I was sitting, and while I was sitting, um, I began hearing this quiet tapping sound. I think some of you probably heard this story. Um, so this quiet tapping sound, just really subtle, quiet, you know, kind of like that. And my experience was that was an unpleasant sensation. That little quiet tapping sound was unpleasant. So I was just noticing, and the tapping went away, and I was just paying attention to whatever, and then the tapping came back, and I noticed the the tapping, and... Uh, Noticed the unpleasant quality, my understanding of it as unpleasant. That was what the experience was. The tapping was unpleasant. The sound itself was unpleasant. That was my experience. Um, and I got curious about this. And as I observed this tapping and the experience, I noticed that when the tapping came, there was a contraction in the body. And the contraction in the body was unpleasant. I noticed that also. 
And then keeping observing this, I, um, I noticed at some point when the tapping sound arose that there was fear in the mind. And that fear was definitely unpleasant. And I recognized actually that the fear was also, that was the climate of the mind. You know, it hadn't been seen as the climate of the mind. But that was, that was what was going on in the mind as the tapping sound came up. There was fear that was present. And uh, the next time the tapping sound came up, there was still the fear, but my, my recognition was that the tapping itself, the sound, was not unpleasant. It was actually more neutral. At that point, it seemed more neutral. And, you know, over the course of the rest of the meditation, having seen the fear, the fear began to die down. And the tapping sound itself, which kept going intermittently, you know, um, it, you know, just was, was much more neutral and even at times a little bit pleasant, that just gentle, quiet tap, tap, tap. So this was a real um, learning process for me around seeing how the mind can impact our feeling. And this kind of feedback impact happens a lot to us. That... Uh, the, the climate in our mind kind of um, inclines us towards interpreting experience as pleasant or unpleasant. And the feeling is that it is pleasant or unpleasant. So this is a way of understanding that the feeling tone, again, the feeling tone of experience is not inherent in the experience. So it's not inherent in the tapping that it is either pleasant or unpleasant. It relates to the conditions that come together as to how we experience that. So, interest in this process, again, not as something to do or to try to see, but just to open to the possibility that this is something that can be seen in experience having had this discussion, you might begin to notice this a little bit. (coughs) And awareness of this process nature of feeling, uh, in particular, you know, begins to... As we see this as a process, we're less inclined to identify with it as me or mine, my feeling. It's just a process Feelings are just objects. Munindraji used to tell Joseph all the time, it's all just empty phenomena rolling on. That's another way of looking at this. You know, objects are just objects. There's just this process, object after object after object. Empty phenomena rolling on. 